Well, it is summer, as you know, which for us preachers means it's wedding season. And I love being part of weddings. And it's a great way to bring God's covenant truth to ceremony. And I was part of a wedding last night. It was a wedding of a family I'd known for a lot of years. And they're a good Christian family. But I realized pretty, pretty soon after getting there that most of the guests were not Christians which just kind of changes the atmosphere. When we have a wedding amongst those of us who are participants at this church, it, it's kind of like a worship service and a ceremony. Uh, when the crowd is non-religious people, it has a different feel to it. And I kind of get the feeling that I'm just off, I'm, I'm one of several entities on the checklist. They, they have like the wedding photographer, the caterer, the preacher, and that's, kind of the vibe I got last night. You know, I showed up and I was there to do a job. And certainly the bride and groom wasn't that way, but that's how it felt with others. So afterwards, I'm going through the reception line and, you know, getting my food and stuff. And uh, Beth had walked off and there's this kid who recognizes me and he's probably 11 years old. And he said, hey, hey, I, I just want to let you know, great speech you just gave. <laughs> And I, you know, I was kind of flattered. I'm like, you know, you don't have an 11 year old, you know, compliment you. But uh, after I laughed and we talked a little bit, I asked him some questions about him. I started to think about the message I was going to give this morning and, and the fact that for most people outside of the church, the role of a pastor is someone who gives speeches and the speech may not feel different than what a politician gives or a spokesman, or some, someone in marketing. And that's simply not the case. Today, I wanna to talk to you uh, the, about Ephesians 4, continuing the, the subject of maturity. The title of our message is The Equipped Believer. And this, this message is going to talk about the role of a pastor teacher. And I give this um, with, with caution, because I don't want to come across as self-promoting uh, and, and trying to make myself look stronger. There, there's, there's no underlying, underlying motivation. Uh, sometimes when messages like this happen, people wonder, well, is the church like in disunity right now or something bad happening? And it's really not. We're actually in a tremendous season of health in unity and, and in everyone being on the same page. As far as I know, at least, we're, on a, we're at a great season for that. And so I want to share this with you because uh, I believe God has pastors in your life and God wants pastors in your life. And it'll certainly apply to this congregation, but some of you may be visiting today and, and this may apply to the congregation God's called you to. Others of you, it's high potential that in the next two or three years, you may have to move and look for another church. And I think it's really important that we know God's plan to mature his people. The, the overriding theme of this series has been this. God has called you to mature. And I want, I want you to understand this. this. This is a calling from God that it is not God's will for you to be an immature Christian. It's not God's will for you to be a weak, isolated Christian. Uh, God doesn't want you to delay maturity and say, well, I'll, I'll be mature when I get in my 20s or 30s. 
I'll get more mature spiritually when the kids have left home. God doesn't want you to defer maturity. He doesn't want you to say, well, maturity is for other people. You know, I'll let Paul or Roger be the mature ones and I'm gonna play a different role. God doesn't want you to avoid maturity because you think, well, I don't wanna change my lifestyle. Listen, it's for you. Maturity is for all of us. And God hasn't called just preachers or pastors to be mature. He's called his people to be mature. And he wants you to grow spiritually. It's his will for you to grow spiritually. It's his plan for you to grow spiritually. So this is like our third or fourth sermon on maturity. And let's look at today's text. We've been looking at Ephesians 4. Let's start in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, And he, being Jesus, personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints. So here are the different offices, and we'll talk about those in a second, but verse 12 says, for the training of the saints. Now, the reason I call the sermon equipping the saints in more traditional versions, the word equip is used, and we'll look at that in a second. So that word training or equip, you can interchange those words. It's different choices for the same Greek word. For the training of the saints in the work of the ministry, and here's the reason why, to build up the body of Christ. Now, going on to verse 13, we've been working backwards. Uh, Today, I'm going to focus on 11, but we've already talked about 13. Here is the goal of maturity. If if you've missed the other sermons, listen, I can just catch you up here in 30 seconds, right? All right. The goal of maturity is unity. Look at verse 13, until we all reach unity. And can I just tell you the sign of a mature Christian and the sign of a mature church is unity. That, That is one of the signs. Until we reach unity and faith in the knowledge of God's son. Now, this is what I talked about last week. The second part of this slide, verse 13, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. In other words, Christ is our measurement. The the stature, he's the measurement, he's the height. Maturity is being like Christ. That's it. And as we mature in our faith, we ought to be more like Jesus, act more like Jesus, be in love more with Jesus, reflect the character of Jesus. So that means we have to get to know him and we need to understand who he is. So that's catching you up. So here's today, the equipped saint. Go back to verse 11. He personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and then some pastors and teachers. And and I want us to focus on those last three evangelists, pastors, and teachers because those are uh, without any type of controversy or debate among theologians. Those three are in operation in the church today. Here's the first thing I want to observe from these scriptures is this. Jesus gives leaders. I want you to know this. Jesus gives leaders. And those of us who are pastors And that's what I am, and that's my default. I want you to know this. I didn't choose to be a pastor. God chose for me to be a pastor. God gives leaders to the church. Jesus gives leaders to the church. Now, I want to say this not to create this elite separation between a pastor and the people, because we're equal in Christ. We're equal in Christ. And the job of a pastor, and we have several pastors here, is to serve the people. The people don't exist to serve the pastor. But God has given to his church pastors for a reason. 
He's given to his church these gifts. And so it is that uh, you don't make a vocational decision. You know, I think I'll be a pastor um, because I, don't, I can speak in front of people and I can organize. And being a pastor is a lot better than the job I have right now. Now, most pastors are bivocational. I, I want to say that. But I'm, I'm speaking to sometimes uh, this call that comes from the natural mind. You know, we think, yeah, hey, I can do that. I would enjoy that. That's different. You don't choose to be a pastor. God chooses you to be a pastor. I've known this because, well, I don't want to get into that. I was going to, well, I have to now, don't I? <laughs> it's going to come out wrong. You know, I've, over the years, you know, I thought, well, maybe I should do something else. I, I've actually, you know, since I was 14, God's put a call on me to be a pastor. And Throughout the years at different times, I tried to be something else, but I've never not been able to be a pastor. Do you understand the difference? Now, I'm telling you this not to make myself to look good. Here's the reason I'm telling you this, is that your pastors are gifts from God. They're gifts from God. They've been chosen by God in your life or in the life that you're at. And, and that changes our attitude. Now, remember when I said um, that unity is the sign of a mature church. One of the reasons so many churches in America are in disunity, I believe, is because a lack of effective leadership. I think when the people God has chosen are leading well, the church is healthy. I believe that. I also believe this is that sometimes church, churches will make mistakes thinking they don't need pastors to lead. I came to this church six and a half years ago and I was very much wanting to be a pastor here and be part of the merge because the people who were here in this building were great people, great people. And they had weathered a lot of the diversity, had been without a pastor for two years. And in my estimation, some may disagree, but I think that because they had been without a pastor, there, there was a lot of disunity. There was a lot of disunity uh, in the whole scope of what had happened. And there was a lot of different ideas. What should the church be? Where should we go? And, and it's been a privilege. I hope that God has used me and the team he's established here to bring unity to this body. On top of that, I think a mistake churches make sometimes is they think, well, hey, let's just lead. We, we can lead the church kind of by committee. I mean, we, get, we could get people to fill the pulpit every Sunday. And we could like get together and just kind of make decisions and vote on decisions. And for a while that will work. But um, in the long term, it really doesn't work. And here's the reason why I believe, because I want to get out of opinion and back to the scripture. Go back to verse 11. This is the reason why this doesn't work. He, being Jesus, personally gave some. He didn't give all. Again, I'm not trying to set up an elitist status here. I'm just saying that, that pastors are gifts. Pastors and teachers are gifts to the body and not everyone's called to do that. And so he gave some to do that. Now let's talk a little bit about these five different things. And this is gonna be the part, it's, you know, it's back to school Sunday. Put up the slide with a different list of people that God uses. Now th this is back to school Sunday. So let me go in teacher mode for a little bit here. And I'm gonna try to get through this in about 60 seconds. Uh, we've been conditioned, you might've heard the term five-fold ministry. We've been conditioned to believe that these are five separate, uh, separate entities, and they may or may not be. The truth is this, there, there's a lot of interest in trying to define what these five 
different offices are, a lot of literature about that, a lot of theories that are being practiced in church. But I want us to just take the most basic and simply the most conservative view. First of all, apostle. Um, I think it's fair to say that most, that apostles don't exist today in their very defined definition. Apostles were the 12 and Paul and Barnabas who physically saw Jesus being raised again from life and who God used their teaching to be the word of God. And so apostles probably don't exist today. Now, if you wanna take a real broad definition and say, well, what does apostle mean? Apostle means sent one. And so I think it'd be fair to say, if you really want to, to define this, that an apostle is a missionary. Someone who goes to somewhere where there is not the church and under their leadership, churches are birthed you know, thank St. Patrick in Ireland kind of thing. Um, thank uh, uh, church planners who will go start a church, raise up a pastor and move on. So the good news for that is this, is according to my understanding now, you're never gonna hear me say, I am now Apostle Aaron. All right, is that okay? If, if I do, then we need to all go back and study the scripture a little bit more. And truthfully, I, I probably have, I'm sure I have friends in the ministry who believe they're an apostle and stuff like that. I don't think that's evil and wrong. I personally just don't find it helpful. I find it really confusing. And I think it's better just to say, well, we have apostles. We know there were very defined people and we're not sure if they exist anymore today. Prophets is very different than Old Testament prophets. Again, Old Testament prophets um, were used to communicate God's message. Prophets today, we're not as sure because a Christian can move in prophecy. Like I could say, hey, you know, Sid, I think God has a word. This may be from the Lord. And, and, and Tim, I might have something for you. That's prophecy. And I tend to do that. I tend to believe the Lord has given me that gift, but I don't consider myself a prophet. And so I actually believe that apostle and prophet may be the same thing. Grammatically, if you look in the Greek. So this is just my theory. Now, the next thing is an evangelist. An evangelist is not someone who travels and preaches. That's what we have functionally begin to call evangelists, like a guy who goes around and goes from church to church to church. An evangelist is someone who shares the gospel with unsaved people. So think Billy Graham, Greg Laurie and some of his ministry when he does Harvest Crusades. Um, Matt Malone, our youth pastor, has a strong evangelistic call, so he goes into prisons and, and when he goes to Costa Rica, when he preaches to lost people, man, it just something happens. When I preach to lost people, I don't get many hands up in the air. It's just, you know, I'm not that, at this point in my ministry, I don't have a strong evangelistic call. But I am a pastor teacher, and I believe pastor teacher go together. I think it's one entity. I would say we have fourfold ministry, not five. The reason why is because how can you pastor people if you don't teach them? I mean, you have to teach, right? You have to feed the flock. You have to shepherd the flock. Now, some people who are teachers and this is all nomenclature, so some of this stuff's not that important, but you know, stick with me here. Some who are teachers, I say, well, I'm a teacher, but not a pastor. My theory on that, not to step on toes, is those are guys who are like, I like to teach, but you know, I don't want to do hospital calls, or I don't want to marry people, because my teaching's so good, I just, that's all I can do. That's my theory on that, and uh, I, I think pastor-teacher goes together. Here's the point. God's given, however you want to categorize these uh, different definitions and, and, and see them functionally. We know this without debate. Evangelists and pastors are in the church today. And I'm, I want you to know this. They're gifts to you. They are gifts to you. And they're gifts for a very particular reason. They're there for your maturity. 
I mean, God has given these gifts for your maturity. Incidentally, I do want to say one thing. Do you know that many of the leading churches in America today are led by evangelists? And, and these are guys that we call pastors, and this is not a, a derogatory uh, term, but like they have like heart for the lost. That's incredible. So they're, they're, they'll say stuff like, hey, you Christians, you don't really matter. All that matters is the lost. So we don't really care about growing you. All that matters is you bring your friends here. And those churches are actually really big and, and useful and part of the kingdom of God. But my theory is a lot of those churches are being led by evangelists that are just focused on that. Now, Paul told Timothy, who was a pastor, do the work of an, of an evangelist. So we do that. We do try to win those who don't know Christ. We try to win them to the Lord. So if Jesus gives gifts and Jesus gives leaders, here's the second thing. Then leaders equip people. And that's the job of a pastor teacher. We wanna equip you. We wanna equip you. That's why we offer CIL Forward. That's why we offer training. That's why we offer different opportunities is we want you to be equipped. Now this weekend, Friday, I spent, you're not gonna believe this, nine hours school shopping. And I still survived. And actually had a, we actually had a fun time. But we got all that taken care of Friday. You know, we, we bought paper and folders and notebooks. We bought a $50 calculator from a seventh grader, which, you know, in my day, we used paper and pen. We used our brain. But nowadays, they're using calculator. See, I just want to give an old man joke right there. And that felt good, you know? And... We, we got all the different supplies they need, and we're so glad as a church we were able to do that through the back-to-school blessing. But we did all of those, that because we wanted to equip our kids. We don't want to send our kids into school without supplies, without paper, without pen, without what they need. Because if they're not equipped, they're not going to be ready for the challenge. Do you know that that's the same, same word that training and equipping is talking about in Ephesians 4? Verse 11 and 12, it's saying this, is that God has given leaders to equip, equip his people. Look at this in the ESV. It's the same scripture, different version. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, which is an interchangeable word with pastor and teachers, to equip, to give supply to the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So it is that if Jesus gave leaders Leader's job is to equip you. And so it is that when you are under a God assigned assignment to a particular church to be under a team of leaders and pastors, it's good for you. It's good for you. And I want you to know that I'm still under the authority of pastors in my life. This particular sermon, this particular sermon I had one of my pastors look over it before I preached it. So I sent him, Pastor John, he looked over it and gave me suggestions because I wanted to make sure that someone else was looking over this particular sermon. I wanted to make sure that this didn't come across like prideful or arrogant or uh, in some way uh, controlling. So I still need pastors in my life. Chip Johnson is one of our pastors here. He's a volunteer pastor. And Last week, we were in small group together. My wife, Beth, shared a prayer need with our small group. And that week, Chip operated as a pastor to me and Beth. 
by helping us get some help we needed and, and connecting us and praying for us. And it felt good, didn't it, Beth, to have someone care for us. So this is not, this is something we all need. Listen, we all need to be under pastors, teachers, because they're gifts to us. And we become, we become trained and equipped when we're sitting underneath the kind of pastor that God wants us to be under. Here's the third thing. Third thing is this. People build and mature the church. Now I realize Jesus said, I will build my church. But what is the church? The church means the gathering of people. So Jesus said, I'm gonna build the gathering of my people. So if Jesus gives gifts, he gives evangelists, pastors, and teachers built on the foundation of the prophets and apostles. If he gives those gifts, he gives leaders in the church, leaders equip people, then people build the church. And I want you to know this, that the reason your maturity matters is because the kingdom of God is advanced through you. Your maturity makes a difference because God is using your maturity to build his kingdom and to build his purpose. Guys, listen, we're not here on this earth to build an organization. We're not here to lift up the name of an individual. We're not here to lift up the name of a church or denomination. We're part of a kingdom that has one leader, and that's Jesus Christ. And we're building his kingdom. And do you know how you build his kingdom? Is you build people. And God is calling you to maturity. He's calling out maturity in you. Because when you mature, when you realize that God has given pastors as a gift to you, and those pastors, when functioning properly, are equipping you, then you build in his church. You partner with Jesus to build and mature the church and let the church be everything God has called it to be. And listen, guys, I love you. And that's why this, this sermon series is a clear clarion call to you to, to step into the place of maturity God has for you. Because listen, listen, we need you. Often, you know, we're, we're telling people when we're preaching, them, hey, you need the church. You need to be in church. You need to be in church because you need church and you need church and you need church. And I suppose there's some truth to that. But the truth really is this, is that we need you to build the church. You are gifted. You are a contributor. You are part of the body. You're part of the team. Uh, you're irreplaceable. You don't just take up a seat in the audience. You know, no, you're part of a community that God has brought together, a community that exists through all generations since Christ ascended to heaven. Among all people, and God has a very distinct plan for you. Beth, I want to invite you to join me up here because we have a special way today to celebrate this. I know that today God is... God is causing many of you to think about your maturity and either your lack of attention on maturity or maybe your lack of focus on maturity. And I believe the Lord, the Lord is wanting to change your mindset. And I've said these phrases through every sermon, but I repeat them intentionally because I believe it's the Spirit speaking on them. Do not delay maturity any longer. Don't say next year. Don't say the next phase of life. Don't say, well, when the kids are grown, I'll get mature in the Lord then. Uh, don't, don't say, well, if you're a high school student, when I get older, I'll be mature then. No, don't delay maturity any longer. Don't defer maturity. Don't say, hey, maturity is for someone else. It's for this person over here. It's for the pastors. No, maturity's for you. 
Don't avoid maturity. I want you to know this, that many of you have fear of spiritual maturity because you're fearful of change. But as you seek the deeper things of the Lord and you begin to seek the Lord and you begin to align yourself with God's principles and God's ways, you are going to feel more like yourself than you've ever been. You see, God's not going to make you someone undesirable. The true you is the person who's aligned with the spirit of the Lord. The true you is the one who's aligned with the things of God. The true you is, is, is never, it's never more you than when you're walking right in the middle of God's will. So don't fear. Don't fear a change as if God, your loving Father who designed you and made you and wants the best for you is somehow going to take your personality and it's going to be undesirable to you. Nonsense. Nonsense. Your, your best days are ahead of you through the Lord, not through your own imagination, not through your own effort, not through you trying to figure it out, but it's by you being submissive to the Lord. Jesus said himself that if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. The way for a fruitful life, a life that matters, a life that counts, a life that makes the difference is not leaning on your own understanding, but it's abiding in the Lord. And some of us, listen, we've never really done that and, and it's time to start. And some of us have done that in the past, but we've just drifted and life's getting complicated and life's getting busy. And with opportunity, uh, we've said yes to so many things and we didn't realize we were saying no to our relationship to the Lord. And I say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else you need will be given to you. I mean, you'll be taking, you put God first and everything else will come online. You put God first and his word promises that, that those who seek him first won't lack anything they need because God will supply all their needs. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the material stuff's gonna be added to you. That's a promise of the Lord. We know in Proverbs chapter four, verse three, it says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your, on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Some of us, we acknowledge God in some of our ways, but not all of our ways. Maturity is, means this, Jesus in every part of our life. Jesus in every area and he has that for us. Would you stand with me in a prayerful attitude? So excited. I know there's those who are following the Lord in water baptism this morning. And we want to give you a few, we want to give you the opportunity to get ready, whether you or your child.